Hello, and welcome to the Property Solopreneur podcast, a show for property investors and developers who want to build and grow their own profitable businesses. I'm sharing with you my decades of property experience and interviewing many other successful property people who are happy to share their varied and priceless knowledge freely. Business doesn't need to be hard, and nor do you need to be lucky. But as a certified strategist, I know you need a plan to work to. And a good start is by listening to other people's successes and failures. Why reinvent the wheel? This allows us to have a more in-depth knowledge of the wider property world. Welcome to this week's episode of The Property Solopreneur. And today I'm talking to Halster Dotley, who will be familiar to many of you who've been doing property a while. Now, Halstead is celebrating his 10th year of hosting a property meet, so has seen many things change over the last 10 years. But one of the things that he hasn't lost his enthusiasm for is either hosting every single month a property meet where 50 or so of us get together, but secondly, property. And he will, I think, in the course of the conversation, really inspire people to realise that actually you can do property on your own terms as long as you've got your own plan and that you don't have to be all over social media and you don't have to be so visible that you feel uncomfortable. If you were in a room with Halstead, you would realise that he isn't the noisiest man in the room, but he radiates gravitas and authority and is possibly one of the most knowledgeable people I know. Well, welcome, Halstead. And I better put my cards on the table straight away for those of you who don't know Halstead. He is the host of my local PPN meeting, which is where we met, or no, actually it's not. We met years and years ago at a progressive do. And then I re-encountered you like an old friend at the PPN Ipswich, which was fantastic. So welcome. Now, but people who haven't met you, can you just give yourself a little overview of how long you've been in property and why you run the progressive meet? Brilliant. Well, hi, Rachel, and thank you very much for inviting me on. Um, Yes, I've been in property for for 40 years and oh, um my word that blows most of us out of the water yes 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 so 40 years been yeah doing property and uh, you know i run the progressive property meet in ipswich because i wanted to hang out with up-and-coming entrepreneurs and people who think how i think and wanted to just get on and, and do property so um, that's one of the th- reasons and because i was doing property on my own Oh, it's, yeah. quite, it's quite lonely, yeah. you know, out there. And um, when you come up against a challenge, there's no one to ask because everyone just says, told you, don't know why you're doing it. You know? <laughs> why don't you just sell them all? <laughs> yes, because indeed, you, you did get going, didn't you? And it didn't go quite according to plan at the beginning, did it? No, it didn't, no. <laughs> and, and that, again, is, I may just say that, that I think that bucks the trend because there is this impression that all you have to do is attend a few few little training courses, get the general gist of it, and then you get going and bingo, overnight, you are a successful property millionaire and then it all runs smoothly. Oh, dear me, nothing could be further from the truth. <laughs> <laughs> So what happened in the early days? What were you doing and why did it sort of not quite go according to plan? Well, when, when I first started out, there wasn't anything, there wasn't such things as buy-to-let mortgages or anything like that at all. And so when I started, there was this thing called um, Myris. Ah, yes, I remember that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I had it on two properties, Oh, which is not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> So for those who don't remember Myris, can you just quickly fill us in? 
<laughs> so MIRA stands for Mortgage Interest Relief at Source. And that means that you got a discount off your mortgage payments, but only on your principal prime residence. So because I now had two houses, I had it on my own house and I also had it on a rental. That's not allowed. No. And so I went to my mortgage guy and said, I've got this Myris on this property. What can I do? And he said, is there anyone that you trust? Oh. So, Rachel, had you been my friend back then? <laughs> yes. I, I, I would have taken you for a drink. And I would have said, Rachel, you want to leave home, but you can't afford to. If my mortgage man can get you a mortgage, will you hold the mortgage for me? I'll make all the payments, build up your credit score. And when you're ready to buy, I'll release you from the mortgage and I'll give you the endowment as a thank you. Well, that was very nice. Did it happen that way? It did. It did. And so I bought a few like that, bearing in mind that a couple of my friends who I'd asked to go into property to, with me mm-hmm. had said no, um, held mortgages for me because they oh. had good job. Yeah. Dog. Yeah. So they held mortgages for me. Yeah. But the reason why it didn't, why when it all went pear-shaped, so eventually I'd, I'd, after 10 years, I'd got a small portfolio. I'd released them all from their mortgages. They'd all got anything between two and a half and three and a half thousand for, from the endowments. And um, everything was good until 1992 when interest rates went to 16%. Almost overnight, didn't they? Almost overnight. And um, I'm now in arrears because um, I couldn't afford the mortgage payments. And um, I then phoned up my boss because I was a store manager with Ipswich Co-op. I phoned up my boss and said, I won't be coming in today. And I just stayed at home to brainstorm ways to try and keep my portfolio. So I just took a blank piece of paper and I just wrote anything down. I just wrote down all any ideas that came to me. And then I went to my mortgage guy again and I said... Um, what can I do with, will any, can I do any of these? And we just hatched a plan. Um, one of them, you know, here's a, here's a real radical idea. Increase the rents. Oh my word. Mm-hmm. Because they were so low. My, yeah. my rents were so low that they weren't even covering the mortgage payments. Because I had seen the capital growth, Rachel. Uh-huh. Yes. And so it was a pension. And what do you do with pensions? You pay in. And because I had two or three jobs, because that's how I built up my deposits, I um, was able to afford the mortgages by topping them up. Of course, when interest rates went up, um, I then couldn't afford it. Yep. And that's how, how I came unstuck. So, yes, we raised the rents and things. And there was two or three things that we did. We moved mortgage products. There was like, there's different things that we did. And then two years later, when the retail industry decided that they were going to open on a Sunday, I don't know if you know how that came about, but the four Sundays before Christmas, they thought they'd try it. I do remember because I was working for Selfridges. <laughs> ah, okay, yes. <laughs> and we all went, sorry, working on a Sunday, we can't even get to work. There are no, you know, there are, the trains don't run. No, exactly, exactly, you see. So, yeah. Anyway, I, I ran a football team. And so uh, Sundays wasn't an option for me. And I said to my boss, I I can't do Sundays. He says, don't worry, I'll give you two days off during the week. Bearing in mind that I was working Monday to Saturday. Um, I got at work sometimes at six in the morning. I left sometimes at 10.30 at night. Yeah. Never getting a day off. And he was going to guarantee me two days off. And I wasn't supposed to work late nights either, you know. uh, Then what rock did he think you'd come up from underneath? Yeah. 
Now, but here's the thing. I really loved my job. Yeah. I really, really loved my job. And I don't know if I would have left had we not had the Sunday opening, you know, because I, I really did. But I then reviewed my property portfolio and I was making more money for my properties than I was as a store manager. So I handed my notes in. So, yeah, that's, yeah, that's how I got started, really. Absolutely fantastic. And that... Again, though, that, that's quite an interesting thing because, of course, you were old school, like me. You ran two things simultaneously. And there is mm. a point at which you go, oh, my word, I'm earning that much because it, you mm. know, it, is, it has been the long-term view that was driving you. Whereas when you go into a room now, everyone is just talking about the fact that you can make X amount of money every single month, regardless of what happens in the future or how secure it is or anything else. And, you know, that, that must have been a, a, a sort of liberating moment when you handed your notice in, but at the other same time, absolutely terrifying. What? Yes, and not helped by my mum, who was going, you can't do that. Oh, yes. So she, she was very old school, was she? You know, my boy, you know, I didn't bring you up to go and be a, you know, wastrel and do nothing. You had a perfectly good job. What are you doing? Yeah. You've worked your way up to, to where you are now and you're just going to throw it all away because you want to play football. And, you know, yeah. and, you, and of course, this is the thing is that people who know you know that you have two parts of your life. And like me, um, this, this phrase, a full-time property investor, is a bit of an oddity because if you're doing it right, you shouldn't act, unless you're growing to an enormous size, you should be, have room in your life for lots of other things. And you do. You, it's sport and health is a really important part of your life. And I was somewhat staggered to discover that you're quite clearly a nifty karate person, aren't you? Because, uh, because, I, I, yeah, I mean, I can't believe, you know, having been the English national champion, you cannot possibly have lost the ability. So I'm, I'm looking forward to sort of seeing some chops and things one day, you know, as you, as you sashay down the, the central eye of the switch pin uh, PPN. But that that you really do put those two sides of your life side by side, don't you? I do, I do. And I have a saying, you know, people say, are you full-time in property? I'm part-time with a full-time attitude. You know, that's the way to be, I think. Yes, and part-time with a full-time income. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And that is down to the fact that you clearly have a very good, strong command of what's going on in your portfolios and your work so that you're you're not suddenly taken by surprise. Because having had that hideous surprise of 16%, 16.5%, you're not going down that route again, are you? No, 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 exactly. And, you know, everyone's complaining about the interest rates at the moment. You know, we've, we've, we've still got a long way to go. <laughs> yes. And when I came into the market, they were at this level. And my attitude was if they worked there, they were going to work below. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, it is about how much cash flow you expect to get off every single building. But also, you've now built your portfolio and your business on really solid rock, haven't you? Yes, I have. Uh, you know, there are no nasty surprises. No. You, no. And you've also, of course, had the experience, which actually I was at a meeting last week where someone questioned the problems of legislation changes, say particularly with SA. And they said, oh, the government will never change it so that it, that it will never be a disadvantage for us because they need us to run the houses. And I thought, well, you know, in my lifetime in property, we've had rent caps, we've had, uh, you know, all sorts of rules and regulation changes that you'd never have imagined. And Scotland has banned it. And although they're appealing at the moment, you can't guarantee that life, as you know, today is going to continue. You've got to have a proper business, haven't you? Well, just you've got to just take the landlord tax, as we call it, you know, Section 24. Well, and everyone said, oh, we'll manage to lobby and we'll get them to reverse it. But they haven't. No. 
Because it's a vote winner. It's a vote, yeah. Yeah. So, and these things are going to happen. So, um, our job as property investors is that when these challenges come along, is to find a solution. Yeah. Not to say, woe is me, it's to find a solution. And I love the fact that you you took a day off from your normal job because a lot of people are doing property on the side. You took the day off and you had a blank piece of paper and you just thought, I've got to find a way out of this. So you, you, you and then you took it to someone who could untangle your thoughts yes. in a financial way and go, oh, um, Halston, I like that idea. Let's do a little, few calculations, see how it works. See yes. whether that can, that can be a goer. Because, um, you know, if you get the money wrong, you haven't got a portfolio. Exactly. And I know that you were, you've been helping people build portfolios. Um, and how, how in today's um, sort of market does that work? Because do people have unreal expectations? Yeah. I, uh, do you know what? The biggest challenge that people have coming into being a property investor is here. The brain. It's their mindset. Yeah, um, yeah. Because when when you come from maybe have always had a job, being told what to do, you're not really a grasp of, as we were now just talking about, all the different financials and the decisions that have to be made. Because, you know, if, if there's a problem with the financials, you probably will still have a job. You know, the company will absorb it somehow. But with your, um, when it's your own property portfolio, you are the person who's got to make that happen. And so it's the mindset of, can I do this myself? Um, I need other people to work with me. Who will they work with me? Why should they work with me? And when you're trying to raise funds, who would give me the money? No one's going to invest in me. And it's those things. That's the biggest challenge that I see that people have to overcome is their own thoughts about themselves. Yes. And I suppose the other thing is, and, and, it is quite interesting because you're a great believer in making us run around the room meeting people we've never met before, which gets people completely out of their comfort zone because they've gone to a property meeting to hide in the corner and not look at anybody uh, and just stare at the floor and hope that no one will notice they're there. And you make people go and meet new people because when it all goes wrong, you've got to have a network behind you, haven't you? Yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, I, I could not have you know, envisaged... Um, turning my portfolio around back in the 90s without someone else's help. I couldn't have done it on my own. No. I didn't know the answers. No. You know, and uh, the two people who have been, you know, helped to me uh, were my solicitor and my mortgage guy. Those two guys were invaluable. Yes. They were unpaid mentors in a way. Oh, yes, they, they took a fee when I asked them to do stuff. But, you know, I could ask them anything. My solicitor, who's still my solicitor today, you know, I went in and saw and we sat and had a coffee and we were talking about the good old days, you know, some of the things that, you know, that we'd done and whatever. And he was saying, I've watched you over the years build a portfolio. I often thought that I'd like to do it. I said, well, what stopped you? He says, the wife. <laughs> oh, that's awful. When he's, when he's actually instrumental in creating somebody else's wealth. Yeah. His wife just didn't have the risk tolerance to do it. Yeah, and the and the thing about property is that you can have a very low risk tolerance and still do property mm. because you don't have to do five at a time. No, no, you don't. You really, <laughs> uh, don't. you really don't. You do not have to buy into this. You know, you've got to do five a year. You've got to make your million by the end of eighteen months. All the rest of it, you can do it. It can be a ten year project. It can be 
one a year, one every other year, doing whatever it is you want to do nice and safely. There is that's the marvelous thing. There's so many different possibilities. And I know that you've, you know, educated yourself on all the different, you know, business models and techniques that you can do. You favor only sort of three really at the moment, don't you? But again, it's market led. What are the three that you love doing at the moment? So the three I like, buy to lets are my favorite. What single let? So it's just single lets where you just rent just to um, a family or something like that. Then HMOs, yep, where you rent out by the room. And, and are, are you a specialist in an HMO area? Are you niche? Um, I only have um, high-end professionals or company lets. Right. Where a company will take the whole property. They're really good because they pay the bills as well. So that I so we'll come back to that because that's absolutely fascinating. And your third is serviced accommodation. So they're my they're my income generators. So um, single lets, HMOs, and serviced accommodation. And then I also do commercial conversions. And I'm now just dabbling in the commercial space where we've just just I'm now building four industrial units. And um, God has bought some land where we put on some storage containers. Storage containers are very trendy at the moment. They really are. Yes, we've, we've been looking into putting storage containers up, partly because everybody nowadays has far more clutter than they know what to do with. Exactly. Houses are getting smaller and smaller and more, people are getting more and more possessions. And um, it's fairly normal to come across people. This may freak some people out to discover that there are people who have summer and winter storage. So they carry everything for winter, you know, the Christmas decorations or the winter clothes and everything else in the storage container. And they regularly go back and forth to it, collect their clothes for the next season and all the rest of it, because at home they just keep now. And I have to say that kind of person is an absolute godsend to people like us, aren't they? <laughs> they are indeed. You know, that someone will pay to hire, to rent out a storage container to put all their stuff in which they're never going to look at again for the next 15 years i mean that's just uh, brilliant it is isn't it i mean that really is quite something um and you know it is but it is also giving back because if people love it they can yeah. i mean and a lot yeah. of, I, I was in our storage container um the other day and uh, there was a big fair going on. I know, you know, one of those big sort of country house fairs where everyone has a marquee and things for the Christmas market. And I had to wait ages to get in because all the small traders basically use these lockups now mm. as their storerooms. Yeah. So they were trundling in and out and loading their car, ready to go off and do things. And I thought that that is something even 10 years ago didn't happen. Yeah, no. See, I've been, we've got a double garage where no cars are in, by the way. And <laughs> Me and my wife decided that we were going to have a look through. Right, we're going to streamline a little bit. Anyway, we just went down memory lane, packed it all back in the boxes and left it in there again. <laughs> we didn't throw anything away. <laughs> so, you are so, so um, you know, your own best customer then, aren't you? <laughs> Definitely. But back to HMOs, which are a fabulous uh, group. Of, uh, they're an umbrella because there is so much you can do within the HMO umbrella. Isn't there? I love students, love them. Yeah. Um, and okay. you know, yeah. that's what I do. I, you know, that's that's me in a nutshell. They're, they have their moments of frustration because, you know, that's their first time away from home and what is a washing up brush or a dustbin, you know, all that kind of problem they, they have. But you mentioned there renting out a property to a company who just take it and the bills. How does that actually work? Because many people won't have encountered that. Okay, so the, the two people, um, two organisations, so charities are one. Yep. So charities um, will have workers that will come from all over different parts of the country for certain periods of time. So what happens is that the charity will rent the house 
and they will say, okay, we will, it's a bit like supported living if you like, but what, what they will do is they will pay the bills, but we're still responsible for the maintenance of it. That we get rid of all the bills, if you like. Yep. And that is really, that's brilliant. Yes. You know, and then we've got companies that will come in who will um, do exactly that, but also take on, you know, small maintenance tasks as well. So, again, an absolute winner. And how do you find these people? Do you stumble them over or have you found this because of your networking? Dipping? I came across it by accident, I suppose, because I've got I've got a seven-bed HMO in uh, Great Yarmouth. Right. And we've got a really, really good letting agent. And he said, look, I've come across a company and no, nobody's got a property big enough on my portfolio to, for them to let. Would you be happy if they rented it and guaranteed the voids where we heard that before there's no 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 void periods and they'll pay all the bills but they'll also do the maintenance because they they needed someone to let to them and i just said what a brilliant idea an hmo i saw a single let for hmo rent bad yes so so then i said well if you find any more like that so that's and then i spoke to other agents here in the in, in the town to see if uh, anyone else could do that. And so we've got about three of those. Fantastic. That does make a you know quite a, a nice little niche for you. Yes. And yeah. you become the man to go. You they all want to go and talk to you. Well that that's really very helpful. I hope, you know, the more people sort of do I just had basically assisted living along given to me along the same sort of lines. My agent suddenly said, We've been asked, can you can you do? And I went, Yep, we yeah. can. Um yeah. But what, going back to networking and everything else, what made you decide, because you've been running Ipswich now for 10 years, haven't you? What made you decide that actually you were going to commit to doing this this meeting every month, you know, come rain or shine, and people have got in the way and you've had to rearrange what, you know, if the coronation got in the way this year, we had to rearrange the thing, didn't we? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. And, and, and Liz- bank holiday. <laughs> That's it. Lizzie went upstairs as well, you know, and uh, so we had to rearrange for that. <laughs> oh, dear. All on a Monday. I know. It's amazing, isn't it? But what made you decide to go and run a networking meeting? When I first um, found education, um, everyone was talking about, why don't we all meet up? Why don't we all meet up? And there was people who were already running property meetings. And there was run one going here in Ipswich that I didn't know about. Oh. And so I'm, at, uh, I'm on a course or something like that. Um, in London, and someone said, this lady's from Ipswich. She goes to a property networking group. And so I got to chatting to her, and I got invited along. So I went along, but there was only ever going, there was only maybe four to eight people that went. Well, that's quite small. And sometimes, you know, yeah, and I felt sorry for the speaker. So I kept going because I didn't want the meeting to end. You know, I didn't want them to stop running it. And I would try and bring people along, you know, as well, to just to try and keep the meeting running. And then then Progressive decided that they were going to have these PPNs. They used to run a super conference. And instead of doing a super conference, they decided to have the networkings all over the country. Yep. And they just asked me if I would like to do Ipswich. Oh. So I went to the guy who was running the Ipswich property meeting here and says, do you mind if I take this over? Because I know you're thinking of maybe stopping doing it. Do you mind if I take it over and run it as a PPN? To which he said yes. I, I made a deal with him because he had a, it, obviously he'd got a database, and I said, "Look, yep. just mark your database, but you can come along for free as long as you put that out to your database." And that's what we did to start off with. But yeah, that's how I got into it because I just didn't want it to stop because it's so invaluable. Yeah, to go somewhere where there are people who are actually trying to do property 
and want to discuss ideas. And that's where everything, that's how you find out and discover these new ways to do property is this masterminding, if you like, of talking about these, ah, you know, just like how we've stumbled across the um, companies that will yeah. take on the whole property. Um. You know, just by talking about stuff, these things come out. And you get people who've never done property before and they go, why have you always done it like that? Yes. Wouldn't work? Why wouldn't you do this? And you think, what a good idea. Yes, absolutely. Yes. I've, I've been a bit set in my ways. There's some, the new kid on the block has given me a really good idea. Yeah. Yes, of course, I, when you start, I know I used to run the Bucks property meet. And one of the things that I used to find extraordinary was that we all think what we know is normal. And so somebody new would come to the group and either they had, you know, they'd blow your mind because you go, I thought I knew a lot, but this person, I mean, you know, head like a planet. They, they just got it completely sussed. How amazing. I'm just going to listen. Or they do come in quite often with a portfolio or something, but they're completely unaware of the wider property world. And then they will ask a question like, you know, what is a structural engineer? And I know that if we had with you a few weeks ago that, I can't remember his name, that marvellous man who was talking about risk and health and safety. And unless you go to property meets and you realise that actually you're not in a bubble, that everyone assumes that property is a, is almost dead simple because everyone can make a fortune out of it because there's so much noise about it. But it is an industry and it's a dangerous industry. Yeah. So there is actually a lot to learn. And so what do you find frustrating when you're in front of the room and you can see all these excited people because they're where it's, you know, the second Monday of the week of the month or whatever, we're all there. And you think some of you aren't even going to go home and think about property. What do you find the most frustrating? I suppose the most frustrating thing, people who go off and have a look at properties, but never grasp an idea of how to do the numbers, how to make sure that what they're looking out at is actually a deal that it will work for them. And if then if when they are trying to do the numbers, they then try and make the deal fit. I because it's been three weeks and I haven't bought anything. Do you know what I mean? And um and the, yeah, and you're just trying to just say, right, I've got to do a deal, I've got to do a deal. Well, if I just offered another ten thousand, it's only ten thousand. Yep. You but know? Blown the numbers out of the window. Out the window, yes. Absolutely. And do you think that's because people just don't have the confidence to realise that actually your biggest asset is time in property, not only to make the accumulation, but the fact that you just have to give time to property for the right things to come past you and and it'd be the right moment because not everything works all the time. Exactly. I think that, I think they also, the other frustrating thing is that they're not prepared to put the hard work in. Yeah, you know, to put the time in. So there's this um, formula, they reckon, that you need to view 100 houses to find 10 that work, to have seven where you can um, put an offer in, three to get the funding on, and one that you'll get across the line. Yeah. But if you say to someone, you've got to go and have a look at 100 houses, they'll go, what about 20? Could I do it with only viewing 20? But how do you know you're looking at the right 20? <laughs> and do I actually have to go and speak to an estate agent? Have I actually got to deliver some leaflets? Have I actually got to ring up some landlords to see if they want to sell? Can I just sit on Rightmove or um, on the market or Zoopla and they'll just come to me? Can't I just do that? You know, they're not prepared to go out and do the, the hard work. That, that, that's needed because it's not just going to fall into your lap. You've got to go out there and look. Yeah, you know, and there's two, there's two, there's two sorts of sellers. I think there's one seller who 
has got a property, it's worth 200,000 and they want 220. You know, they want, because Johnny across the road got 220, uh, we must be able to get 220. Yeah. And that's fine. And then you've got those other sellers whose properties are worth 200,000, but all they really want is 150,000 so they can go off and do something else. We're looking for the second group. Absolutely. And we keep trying to push the first group into the second category. Yeah. Let those people be in that category and you just look for this category. Yes. And I think that's the danger. I, I mean, I've seen recently quite a lot of quite amazing bits of software, which allows you late night to sort of surf the various things and you put your parameters in and all the rest of it. And then bingo, up comes the special property that you're going to buy. You could be sitting there a long time, whereas actually if you get out, do a bit of legwork, do a bit of get, actually going to the properties, you might find it a lot quicker. Definitely, definitely, definitely. And that's what I'm saying about people want, you know, they, everyone's looking for instant gratification. And I think it's the computer games. There are a lot to do with that because that's what you get instant. If it doesn't work, reset. If it doesn't work, reset. And then after half an hour, your masters are, oh, well, Property must be like that. Yes, absolutely. And I, I also find it extraordinary that, I, and I'm, I bang on about this, this the next thing in my podcast a lot, business cards. People come to a networking meeting completely unprepared to actually interact, which I suppose follows on from the fact they want to just be able to press a button on their computer and, and to be in a sealed, hermetically sealed bubble and not how to interact. Um, and they are generally surprised that either you give somebody a card and say, this is me, this is how you get hold of me, or you go, and how do I get hold of you? Whoop. Not sure I like that concept, you know, I only do property on this little safe space, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> have you seen more and more people not want to, because I mean, I remember a time when everybody had cards and it was really easy to talk to one another. And in fact, I think for those of us who were back in those days, our networks are huge. Yeah. Do you see more people being very insular and going, well, I only want to speak to people who do HMOs, I only want to speak to people who do this, that and the other, and not realise that it's part of a much bigger you need much bigger picture. Yeah, similar to you, Rachel, that I'm always shocked when people haven't got any means of being able to share their contact details. I know um, a lot of people have gone, I say a lot, there's a few people who have gone down the uh, QR code route where they'll, they'll take out their phone and you can scan that, but at least that's a way to contact them. But yeah, sometimes they just don't have any way of being able to, you know, to, to be able to say, this is me. This is how you contact me. And I, and I don't know why that is. The only thing I can think of, um, thinking now, as we're speaking, is that the younger you go, they don't actually speak to each other. That is possibly very true, yes. Yeah. yes. So my daughter, she was going into town, and, she's, and I said, well, I'm going to go into town. Let me give you and your friend a lift. I said, why don't you give her a call and see if she wants me to pick her up? She says, cool. She says, I'll just text her. <laughs> I go, but it'll be quicker, won't it? No, I'll, I'll text her. So we waited and waited and waited. And, she, and finally she came back and said, yeah, that'd be great. But well, <laughs> no, but but I think you probably put your finger on it because they don't realise that, you know, you do want to just pick up the phone and have a chat <laughs> and organise something and then move on to something else. But also, yes, I get the QR code. And, and there's a, that, I've forgotten now the name of the card that you waft over someone's phone and it all instantly goes in there. But if I'm meeting you for the first time with the best friend in the world, unless I think you are the most exciting man I've ever met, and definitely need to follow up, so to speak. I am not going to remember your name. No. So tomorrow, I, when I get my phone out and I go, 
who was that amazing man I met last night? You know, had absolutely the finger on the pulse for whatever it is I want to know. I can't find you on my phone. I might have even your inside leg measurement on my phone, but I can't find you because I don't know what your name is. And that is what the card is for, isn't it? It's just an exactly. memoir until yeah. I'm absolutely certain that I know you are Mike from Swindon. And that's where I'm going to find you under my phone. That is the importance of it, isn't it? And they're missing out a trick. Yeah. And now that you've said that, yeah, that, so that reminds me that after the meetings, I'm often contacted by people and says, I met this man or I met this woman at the meeting and I said I'd give them a call, but I can't remember what their name is. Exactly that. Well, that happens a lot. Yeah. And I go, well, you need to give me a bit more of a clue. <laughs> you know, we had 50 people in the room. You know, you've got to give yeah. me a bit more of it. But that's a shame because that could be the funder. That could be yeah. your JV partner. That could be the person yes. who sell you something. Yeah. And and the other thing is don't be frightened of getting on someone's email list because they could send you the one thing that's going to make a difference. If you don't like their whatever it is that they're sending talking to you about, unsubscribe. But by which time you will know whether you like them or whether you want to know them more and better and all the rest of it. So just make it, you know, if, if for those people who are listening who have never thought, well, I don't, you know, I don't need a card, just invest in 20 quid's worth of cards. They don't have to be clever. They don't have to be fussy. No. Just get, let's just find a way of being able to get hold of each other. Because the other thing, it's all very well about having a coffee. But if you live outside, as we do, you know, a bit rural out here, it's an hour an hour and ten for me to get to you. So I'm I'm only going to meet up with people I meet at your meeting yeah. before or after your meeting. Yes, yeah, exactly. So I, I'm going to need to know who you are, because otherwise it could be three months before I can arrange something if you don't allow me to get to know you easily and quickly by Zoom and then a follow-up. So, uh, yeah, networking may be the way forward, but you've got to do it the old-fashioned way to a certain degree, which is actually talk to somebody. <laughs> talk to someone, which is why I love doing it at the meetings, because... People don't. No, and the other thing you, you've managed to do, because you've, uh, like um, my co-host of the Bucks, John Cox, he used to do ski trips. You do a ski trip as well, where you have people in the room and all you're talking about is basically either skiing or making money through property. And that's the only two subjects, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I've just um, started learning how to ski. So this is going to be my third year going away. And uh, it's, it's brilliant. It's been really, really good because... You go off and learn something new, and then you can mastermind and talk about property. I mean, what else is? What else would you do? I mean, it's absolutely. brilliant. It is absolutely brilliant, and I think that again was one of the reasons why PIN started their meetings. Why you know PPN started theirs was because you've got to have these meeting places where all you do is talk property. We're not interested in each other's children. I mean, you know, lovely as they are. Actually, we've come out on a wet Wednesday because we want to talk about, you know, service accommodation or the nightmare that is the legislation where no one else thinks you're odd. Yes, exactly. When no one else thinks you're odd. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Houston, thank you so much for talking to me today. Um, and, and I know because your, your programs are so busy, you've got so many bits on. And, uh, you know, I know you're celebrating your 10th anniversary, which is going to be great fun. And uh, Rob will come up and, and you know, speak spend some time with all of us lucky people here in East Anglia because we don't we don't get to see some big names we're so far off the beaten track up here aren't sure. we? yeah yeah <laughs> I, I had to twist his arm to, to come along but he's yeah he's he's gonna be there yeah two so we're starting early with two o'clock in the afternoon so it's great to be gonna well that's that. the other wonderful thing about property is that if you know about things far enough in advance you're your own boss you yes. go oh what am I doing on that day right I'll just readjust this I'll speak to myself and make sure I'm free 
and a way out. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, the house did, for you know, all your pearls of wisdom today. I'm sure lots of people will have many things to take away, one of which is it's not impossible to have seriously high interest rates. Exactly. Yeah. There's always there's always a way to make it work. You don't have to sell the portfolio and then come back later. You can keep it and make it work. Fantastic. Well, that's great. Thank you so much. Brilliant. Rachel, thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you for listening to The Property Solopreneur with me, Rachel Troughton. If you've enjoyed this episode, do hit subscribe and kindly leave a review and share this podcast with anyone you think it would help on their property journey. If you'd like to get hold of my guide for building a successful property business, go to racheltroughton.com forward slash checklist. We only live one life. So let's get your dream a reality through building a profitable property business.